This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Playing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and then he make the catch, he did! He got it! Here we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. High Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone. Terry Cushman here with the Benny and the Bets podcast. Been a little while since I've done one of these. I've got plenty of topics tonight that I will definitely cover. Any of you want to chime in, fire off some Q&A, we can do that as well. Observation number one, Yankees general manager Brian Cashman extremely overrated. The guy has no clue how to build a rotation. All of his guys except Masahiro Tanaka are tipping their pitches right now. Paxton had to leave in the third inning of his start. Severino struggled quite a bit today, could not locate his off-speed stuff. Apparently the Astros hitters knew when that was coming. They didn't do a very good job capitalizing on him, but... Brian Cashman has no idea what he's doing as far as building rotation goes. The Astros understand that, you know, very well. And the Washington Nationals rotation right now is just absolutely lights out. So those are two teams that have it right. Also, you know, the bullpen is showing some flaws with the with the Yankees. Adam Ottavino can be stolen on by someone with average base running speed. His delivery is so slow to the plate. And, uh, you know, we've seen it a couple of times today with George Springer. Cashman also, I, I mean, look at his outfield. Giancarlo Stanton, eight more years. Can't get healthy when they need him the most. Eight more years of that, Yankees fans. Jeez. Six more years of Aaron Hicks, who is basically Jacoby Ellsbury 2.0. Never had a good record of health, but Cashman locks him up to seven years. That's insane, you know. And, of course, the Ellsbury contract mercifully comes to an end after uh, next season, I believe. And then when, when push comes to shove, when you're comparing how overrated Brian Cashman is, he's not going to outsmart the top GMs. He's not going to outsmart Jeffrey Lunau, who he's up against right now with the Astros. He's not going to outsmart Andrew Friedman, Alex Anthopoulos, probably not even Theo Epstein or, or Chris Antonetti of the Indians. He's just not that smart of a GM. And anybody who backs that guy is just a complete moron. There's a reason why the Yankees have not made it to a World Series in a decade. It's just, yeah. So anyway, um, another moron move, you know, from Cashman as well. Uh, Garrett Cole, 
the Yankees could have acquired him two seasons ago when the Astros did if Cashman was willing to give up Miguel Andahar and Clint Frazier would not let either of those two players go. So guess what? Garrett Cole goes to the Astros. Unbelievable. And speaking of Garrett Cole, what a performance today. It wasn't pretty because he walked five guys, but he pitched out of every jam he got into. Bases were loaded once. Plenty of traffic on the base bases. They're in enemy territory, Yankee Stadium, probably the toughest road stadium for any non-Yankees player to pitch in. And Cole got it done. This guy is the real deal. And whoever signs him next year, it's going to cost a lot of money, but definitely going to be well worth it. And they're definitely getting a dominant, healthy pitcher who's going to be very effective into his 30s, much like Justin Verlander, much like Max Scherzer, much like John Lester. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is still pitching okay, not quite the same guy, but Cole is going to be one of these guys who is going to be an absolute horse into his 30s. Not like David Price, not like Chris Sale, and definitely not Nathan Avaldi. It's just so painful, you know, with the Red Sox, how much terrible value. If the Red Sox would have laid off a Chris Sale and made him pitch this year, which was the final year of his contract, you know, since the option was picked up, they could have just passed on Chris Sale, signed Garrett Cole. But that's how dumb the Red Sox are. We are going to have a new uh, general uh, manager here or president of baseball ops, however it shakes out. One person it will not be is uh, Dodgers president of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman. A lot of people wanted this guy, and I'm, I had mixed feelings, to be honest with you. I would have rather have had Friedman over Theo Epstein. I just think Theo Epstein's mindset on building a roster is really outdated. Much like the Red Sox, Epstein has gotten terrible value on certain signings. You know, the Craig Kimbrell, U Darvish signings, those had a ton of red flags. Jason Hayward had already started his decline from those first few stellar seasons he had was not worth $25 million a year, whatever it was. So Epstein, you know, I'm kind of glad uh, he won't be in play. Andrew Friedman, on the other hand, with the Dodgers, I have no concerns about his ability to build a roster. He can build a dominant MLB roster, as we have seen. You know, they went to back-to-back World Series, lost this year, you know, due to some really bad management in, in Game 5 of that series. But And he was the mastermind behind the Rays back when they were good, back when the Rays beat the Red Sox in Game 7 of the 2008 ALCS to go to the World Series. That was Friedman's team. Here's a couple of concerns, though, that I would have had if Friedman was hired by the Red Sox. Aside from the fact he is brilliant when it comes to building rosters, I have a lot of concerns with 
how the front office seems to try to also manage the games. Dave Roberts is their manager, but he does not call the shots. The analytics department does, and I don't know how much of that is, you know, how much input Friedman himself has. But you go to that 2017 World Series Game 7 against the Astros, the Dodgers lost that game the moment you Darvish had his name written on that lineup card. The World Series got lost in that moment because Darvish was tipping his pitches. He didn't even get out of the second inning of his previous start, I think, in Game 3 of that series. And the guy just didn't have it. And the Dodgers should have went with Alex Wood, knowing that he was pitching well and that he would only be needed for three or four innings before they turned it over to Kershaw. Who pitched? Who did enter the game and did pitch very well? Kershaw pitched excellent in relief, and then they had Brandon Morrow and Kenley Jansen to split the last three innings between them, and very likely could have won the World Series had they done this. But they put Darvish in there. He gave up something like five or six runs, you know, before he recorded five outs. And and the Astros went on to win the World Series. A lot of concerns there. When the Red Sox played the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy, both lefties, were were basically left out of the game for the first seven innings of games one and two because they didn't like the lefty matchup with Chris Sale and David Price. That's insane to me. Those are two of their best hitters. I don't care about righty-lefty when it comes to the World Series. If they're two of my best hitters, they're in the lineup. Could you imagine Alex Cora sitting Rafael Devers and Andrew Benintendi for the first seven innings of games one and two of the World Series? Even if either of those players were slumping, I don't care. I don't care, and... I'm not saying that that's why we beat the Dodgers, but it wasn't a good look. And then finally this year they got bounced out due to some really bad, uh, you know, bullpen management, as I said earlier in the show. Um, you know, they let Joe Kelly, Joe Kelly pitched, I think it was the, the 11th inning, very clean, very effective. And then they brought him out again and he basically walks the bases loaded and then gives up a grand slam. If they were going to be insistent on bringing Joe Kelly out for that uh, second inning, they should have at least pulled him when the first runner reached. And and they didn't, and then they lost. <laughs> so there's a lot of in-game analytics that I don't agree with that happened on Andrew Friedman's watch. Those are concerns to me, despite the sexiness of his history of building great rosters. So I'm not as disappointed as most people that he's not in the running anymore. And I never really, I never really drank the Kool-Aid that he might come to Boston. I couldn't rule it out, but there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any reported dialogue whatsoever 
between the Red Sox and Friedman that I'm aware of. And I simply took it that Friedman was simply using, maybe using the Red Sox opening to leverage a bigger contract with the Dodgers. So that's kind of, you know, that's what, that's how I read it. And I don't know if I'm correct on that, but he's definitely staying with the Dodgers. And if you look at the two teams, even though the Dodgers are probably really frustrated due to the fact that they just can't quite win the World Series, the Dodgers are much better positioned, uh, you know, in the short and long term than the Red Sox are as far as winning a championship. You know, the Red Sox are going to come into next season, question marks with literally every starter in their rotation outside of Eduardo Rodriguez. We're probably not going to have Mookie Betts, might not have J.D. Martinez, although I'm skeptical on that. I, I think there's a better chance Martinez will decide not to opt out versus your average fan and versus whatever the insiders are saying. They Most of them expect he will opt out. I'm skeptical, but you know we'll get into that in another show. Uh, but the Red Sox just aren't looking good next year. So, you know, the Dodgers can do whatever they want. They can sign Garrett Cole and, and really go for it. You know, so we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But, you know, it was crazy to me that Friedman would want to leave a situation like the Dodgers, you know, for a team like the Red Sox who aren't positioned well for next year as I just beat to death. And, you know, the Red Sox don't have a good farm system, so he'd have to rebuild that too. It's just too big of a project, you know, to just leave all of the hard work that he's had, uh, you know, put in with the Dodgers. So those are my thoughts on Friedman. Another weird situation right now, uh, you know, I mentioned the Red Sox rotation. Chris Sale has not had his follow-up appointment with Dr. Andrews. Now, Sale visited him in, it must have been early to mid-September, because he had inflation in his elbow, and he had PRP injections, which are, they call it the blood platelet-rich plasma, you know, that gets injected into the arms. And if there's a tear in there, or if there's inflammation it will help kind of alleviate that. And Masahiro Tanaka is a guy that had it, Yankee starter. I think he had his after the 2014-2015 season, somewhere in that vicinity. And he had a slight tear of his UCL. And I guess it was in a decent enough spot to where the PRP injections could basically heal it. And he hasn't had any more issues with his elbow. Another guy that had it was Tyler Thornburg a year before we traded for him. Now, when he did come to the Red Sox, he had all kinds of other issues, you know, with his shoulder, with the thoracic outlet syndrome, and then maybe upstairs in his head, he might've had issues, raging head case, but he never had elbow issues again, once he had the platelet rich injections. But so maybe, maybe that does is all that Chris Sale needs. But the fact he hasn't gone to his follow-up appointment at the end of the six-week period, like he was originally reported 
to be scheduled for. That's a little concerning. He's not throwing at all. So, you know, that's concerning as well. He is in Fort Myers, you know, presumably doing some type of workouts. But, again, it does not involve throwing. So, I'm a little curious to see, you know, what's going on there. You can't rule out Tommy John until he does go back to Dr. Andrews. And then Dr. Andrews tells him that he does not need Tommy John. It can't be ruled out until then. And here's my thing. If he does need Tommy John, this is the perfect time for Chris Sale to have that because we aren't looking good for next year. So if you're ever going to miss a year, next year is the year to miss. And then so he, you know, he he won't pitch because he'll be recovering from the surgery. And then at some point, I don't know, after eight or 10 months or so, he'll begin his rehab, actual rehab on the arm, working it out, you know, resuming whatever throwing program that's designed for post Tommy John patients. And then that would put him right on track for the 2021 season. And by that point, you still have Eduardo Rodriguez. You'll have two years left to David Price. God help us. Tanner Houck could be in the rotation by then, could be a mid to upper level rotation guy. Brian Mata could be up by then. Maybe Jay Groom. That could be a bit of a long shot because he just started throwing uh, after having Tommy John. You know, so he he began his workouts, you know, middle of uh, last season. So I'm just saying we could have some of our younger guys in that rotation. And if the Red Sox don't spend any stupid money, you could have a, a nice free agent signing, you know, around that time as well. And then a healthy Chris Sale. So. That's those are my thoughts on sale. It's just very puzzling. I, I've never thought that Chris Sale has been handled well at all. I his shoulder injury wasn't managed very well. Tons of mixed signals throughout the second half of 2018. He you know he didn't really look good at any point in 2019, aside from maybe a four week window. And so, you know, was the spring training prep where it needed to be? I don't know. They left him in a lot of games, uh, Chris Sale, you know, a couple innings more than he should have been when the Red Sox had huge leads. And I was harping away on it on Twitter. Why is he still in there if we're up 8-1 to over the Royals? And, of course, you know, the Red Sox Homer fan base would defend it. Oh, he's Chris Sale. Oh, the guy's an animal. He should be in there. Yeah, okay. So, I don't know. Those are my thoughts on Chris Sale. Jackie Bradley Jr., there was a report uh, several days ago, probably four or five days ago, that he will likely be tendered a contract, which, you know, after arbitration will probably be in the neighborhood of $11 million. But... Once that, uh, you know, falls into place, the Red Sox will explore trading him. So that's another guy that could, 
potentially not be with us next year. And, you know, Mookie Betts almost certainly will not be with us next year. Both of those players, by taking them off of the roster, will, you know, give the team a little bit of payroll relief and, and more importantly, get us underneath that $208 million luxury tax threshold, which if we do get under that, that'll reset all of the penalties. We won't be paying into the luxury tax. I think we paid 70, either 50% of the luxury tax or it was 75%. So we were at, let's say 240 million last year. And I think the luxury tax was 206. So let's see, that's 34 million we were over. So we had to pay that $34 million plus half of whatever half of that is. So, no, excuse me. So we had to pay 50% of that um, $34 million. So, you know, that, that was an extra $17 million the Red Sox had to pay. So we won't be dealing with that anymore. We'll actually have a first-round draft pick. I think this past season, our first pick ended up being 43rd overall. So we'll we'll have another pick, you know, kind of late in the first round. I'm guessing, let's see, we would probably be, I don't know, we'd probably draft around 22nd, 23rd, something like that. And... uh yeah, so uh, you know, so we'll have that monkey off our back for a little while, and it'll be interesting to see what this new GM does. You know, whoever it may be, we still don't have a short list of names that the Red Sox are interviewing. But um, you know, what kind of trade value does he get for Mookie Betts? What kind of value will he get for for Bradley? What are some small, sneaky, good signings that he you know he he could make to kind of help the team next year? And when I say that you know next year is a throwaway year, they will try to compete, and it's possible that you know they could make a run at it. I think it's a long shot because when you're talking sale price and Avaldi at least two of them are going to go on the DL for lengthy stays. So it it is a long shot, but um, it could happen. So, uh, so anyway, those are the uh, recent news and notes. John Farrell has been connected to at least one team, which is the uh, Anaheim angels. So, I'm pretty sure Madden will get that job. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been hired already. But Farrell did interview for it, and it just amazes me that some teams find him viable. I I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another interview or two because there's like seven or eight managerial openings. I've never seen this many in an offseason. So, uh, you know, Farrell could get a second uh, interview or third interview with another team. And I just think with his incompetence with managing bullpens uh, and coupled with the fact that he doesn't work very well with, you know, young talent, he favors his veterans. And and it just, 
I mean, Benintendi was basically a platoon player for a while with Chris Young, who wasn't even good anyway. So why are you destroying Benintendi's confidence? You know, so but Farrell would do stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Travis Shaw would have been far more successful in Boston. Probably wouldn't have even been traded had he been playing for a different manager who could actually utilize him the right way and kind of help him work through his struggles. But, but yeah, so anyway, anyone right now, you know, if anyone wants to do any Q&A right now, we can do some rapid fire. Um, anything is on the table. Uh, Yankees game four tomorrow. I don't have the pitching matchup. Uh, the Dodgers are throwing, uh, let's see. They're throwing their minor league guy that got called up this year. I think his last name is McQuitty. I don't know who the Yankees are starting. I probably should have checked that out. Uh, before I came on, it, it might be Jay Happ, which would be awesome. He gave up the walk-off to Carlos Correa at the end of Game 2 and just hasn't pitched well all year long, which surprises me because he was so solid you know, the last few seasons coming into this year. Um, but, but you know, not not good this year, so... Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Yankees do. There could be a, a slight obstacle, though, because tomorrow's game could be rained out. Apparently, the weather forecast in New York is not good. So that would push everything back a day. And I don't think that really does much for the Astros. I think they would kind of stick to the plan. You know, Grinky would go game five. Um, and then Verlander again, game six, Cole game seven. I'm not sure if the Yankees have any flexibility, uh, you know, as far as that goes, but um, maybe pitch Tanaka, you know, one game early. I think that has him on regular rest. I could, I could be wrong though. Uh, actually, they started Saturday, so yeah, that would be regular rest, Saturday to Thursday, so I guess we'll literally play that by ear, but anyway, I just figured I'd come on, give some thoughts, everyone have a uh, good, uh, you know, Wednesday, middle of your work week, and uh, hopefully the Astros pull it out, so take care.